Well, I've worked hard to try to get this down to about half an hour, so I hope I do that. My, my problem has been in the past that I try to download 20 years of research in uh, an hour and it blows people's minds. So I'm using PowerPoint. Maybe it's going to help me to stay uh, focused. I want to thank uh, several people, um, Pastor Tim Tyler, Pastor Steve Upshar. I notice he's here out there in the audience. Um, these two ministers have helped me immensely. Uh, for 20 years, I've been laughed at, scoffed at, kicked out of churches, um, quite, and, and I'll say spiritually, emotionally, uh, a walking wounded. And these two men of God have really helped me to repair and build myself up. They've checked my work. They found it worthy to share with all of you. So um, I want to thank them for their participation. And I'm not alone here. I got another researcher, a friend of mine, who drove all the way out from Howell to see me tonight, um, Josh Peck. You want to just raise your hand? He's an author of several books. It's kind of interesting. The Lord struck him with something where he's not very mobile, so he took his time. And I've never seen such a young man just devote his time to working in the Word, and he's written several books. Instead of using his time watching TV and wasting it away, he's just really adamantly serving the Lord and getting into the Word and providing a lot of good food for everybody. So with that, we should go right on into what I want to share with you tonight. Um, we are told, you know, in the Word that, that in the last days there would be a deception that if it were possible would deceive the very elect. Now, we're also told in Daniel that a lot of prophecy would be progressive in its nature. In other words, not going to know too much ahead of time. We're going to know what we need to know when we need to know it. If we knew too much ahead of time, we're going to put our faith and trust in events and not the person controlling the events. God wants us to live in the moment with him and let of his spirit. And believe me, what I've seen coming down is so different than any little map of prophecy that you can buy in a Bible bookstore. One of the biggest things that's going to blindside the church is the day that they announce that aliens are in our midst and have been working with our government and a lot of other potential things that are potentially going to come out. I don't know exactly how, but they will come out, and they're going to, it's going to literally shock the world. And they're already getting ready for it. So um, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Um, angels and aliens, the reason why I, we say the aliens because uh, it's kind of synonymous with demons, and we'll get into that and you'll find that out. Um, it does pertain to every one of us. When I first uh, had the first Christian, biblically-based uh, um, seminar on the whole UFO aliens from a biblical perspective, it was held in Roswell, New Mexico in 20, uh, 2003. And the guy that put it together did a unique thing. He took some of the top secular researchers and mixed them with some of the top researchers that were working from a biblical perspective so that we could kind of introduce each other. Right off, they were almost incessant. What are you religious people doing with the UFO uh, thing? This is scientific research. Why are you bringing religion into it? I said, well, you know what? We didn't bring religion into it. The aliens did. And you... you uh, progressively been expounding it on everyone else. We're here to put a stop to it. That's what we're here for. UFOs and aliens is very religious. Very religious. Here's some of the books that are written. God drives a flying saucer. Really? Now, it progresses. I try to pick out, I mean, there's hundreds of books, but they're redefining everything that you and I hold dear, and they're blaspheming it. And they're talking about a different Jesus. The true face of God. That's a face of a, what we call a hybrid. Part gray alien and part human. That's not the face of my God. 
redefining all the way back to the, God, to the Garden of Eden. This book myself, when I was doing my research, I looked at that book and I, as I was reading it, they explain things on such a level that even with my knowledge, for a second there, I had a cold chill go down my back. And I heard this whisper saying, what if they're right and you're wrong? And for a minute, I was like frozen. Now, I'd been studying this. When I read this book, I'd already been studying this stuff for about 12 years. You know what snapped me out like that? I remember today, first the scripture to back up this experience. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their lives even unto death. The word of their testimony. Instantly, I remembered a day in July in 1974 when I'm praying, God, if you're real, come into my heart. Come in and show me that you're real. I'll follow you. I just need to know you're real. And at that very moment, my life was forever changed. That snapped me right out of it. Devil, you almost got me for a second. And I thought, my God, if I, with all, and now I had already had 20 years of pastoral experience, and this shook me for just a second. So if I, knowing what I know, can be shook, what can happen to a lot of you? Especially some people that aren't really growing and know why they believe what they believe. So this was a wake-up call for me. Mankind, the seed, you know, man... <laughs> I, my glasses, I can't read that. I'm going to have to look over here. Mankind, child of the stars. This is a prevailing theme within the whole UFO alien uh, thing. There are some that say that because they are star seed children, the indigo children, they've got a lot of different names for them. Um, we see movies that are kind of portraying that same kind of um, idea. There are some people that feel that they have a rite of passage because they are part uh, something other than human. They believe and being told that they are part of this new uh, homo noectus is what they call it. Really. They have their own eschatology. Believe it or not, there are people that are waiting for an alien rapture. It doesn't include you and me. It includes basically new agers, basically followers of UFOs. Uh, it's all part of a plan. This is the International UFO Museum in Roswell, New Mexico. Is everybody pretty much familiar with Roswell being synonymous with aliens and UFOs? 1947, there was alleged crash of a crashed UFO saucer and little gray bodies that were taken. I lived in Roswell for four years. I had my little store. Believe me, there was no weather balloon that crashed. Yes, there were little bodies. I heard testimonies from born-again Christians who owned the property where that crash took place. And they couldn't figure out why, where these little guys came into the biblical perspective of things. Now, the person has long been dead that owned the property, but I talked to the daughter of one of the friends that owned that property. And it was from many testimonies like that that I've concluded that something very real and very physical did happen. And there was a real craft that crashed, but it didn't come from outer space. It basically came from what we would call hell. This is the bottom line to all of it, because they have an agenda, and what they want and what we have to be challenged with is, who's our daddy? Now, they're saying that aliens came down, that evolution has its glitches, but now we can explain it because aliens came down and enhanced um, the primates and created mankind out of that by genetic manipulation. Um, if that's so, then if aliens created us, then who created the aliens? I'd just like to know. Um, and then, of course, we know that are born again, that Christ became a man, to do what we couldn't do, and died for our sins, 
and gave us a new life and a new world and restored us back to where we belonged from the fall. This is, the con this is what is being contested between the idea and concept of aliens. Now, so I want to get into the idea that these aliens have a plan. They have an agenda for planet Earth and for mankind. And it's not a good one. As a matter of fact, their plan, this is going to sound really strange, and when I've got my book out in the lobby, if you are interested enough to buy it, but you'll see that Hitler's picture's on there with UFOs and a lot of other things on the face. This man, Hitler, has a lot to do with the occult connection to all of this evil that has been put out upon us. The thing is that the aliens' agenda, the Nazi agenda of a new master race, super race, a new higher uh, technology derived from ancient technology, all of this stuff is part of a plan. And it lines right up with Satan's plan. How many knew that Satan even had a plan? I hate to say that, that I know in my early walk, I've been a Christian now for, I'm 40 years old in the Lord. Wow. Um, 40 years ago, I, I got saved. But in that time, I was told time and time again that Satan was a defeated foe. He's been cast to earth. Misery loves company, and so he's just going to try to drag down as many people as he can. He has no real plan or anything. It's just chaos and, and uh, you know, random acts of meanness. But there's a lot more. See, he's a much dangerous enemy than that. He has hope. Ezekiel 28 chapter says that there's a fire burning within him. Do you know what that fire is? That's insanity. When he got separated from the relationship with the Father, he went nuts. He went crazy. The proof of that, Jesus is fasting and praying 40 days in the wilderness. Satan comes up to him, puts his arm around him and says, Hey, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You know, I, Mike, I have this little crazy cartoon sense of humor. I see Biff from uh, Back to the Future coming and knocking him on the head going, Hello, Satan! Hello, anybody in there? Think, Satan, think. You can't give him what he already has, which you got on loan. He's taking... Didn't you read Revelation 19? He takes that away from you. You're crazy. So we get two symbols here in this symbol right here. And this symbol, by the way, is the symbol of theosophy. You'll hear me eventually down the road talk a lot about theosophy. Uh, the five-star pentagram actually is depicting the five I wills of Isaiah 14th chapter. Someday maybe we can do a study on that, I don't know, but the five I wills of Satan recorded in, in Isaiah 14th chapter, by going back to the original language, I discovered that that is a plan of who, when, where, how, and why Satan wants to eternalize mankind and the environment, this earth, into his own fashion. In other words, the five I wills, he was breaking out into his own business. He looked around and says, you know, he was put in a garden of Eden as kind of God's super cop to protect and serve. But he looked around and he says, this is no big thing, I can do this. And that's what the five I wills are. He has a plan to do everything that God did in the same but opposite fashion so that in his insanity, when he stands at the white throne judgment, he is actually going to say, see, I did everything that you did according to my way, so I'm entitled to my own universe. And he actually thinks he's going to do that. He thinks he's going to be God at his own game. Well, i got good news and bad news for you, Satan. The good news, you're going to get your own universe. The bad news is, it's called the lake of fire. That's what you're going to rule forever. So, there is a definite plan. And we need to understand that because that plan is clearly laid out. Once we discover that there's a plan, Paul said it was the mystery of iniquity that is already actively at work in his day. And it's still active. What is that mystery of iniquity? There has been a plan 
like a chess game, going through all of history, where Satan has placed certain markers all throughout history. See, we're dealing with somebody that is not bound by time and space like we are. I'm going to show you some of these things. Right here, in 1701, this painting was a painting of the baptism of Jesus. There's John, and he's baptizing Jesus, and there's a Shekinah glory, but wait, that's not a dove up there. That's a doggone UFO. 1701, where did the inspiration come for that? Here's, in the Renaissance Center in Italy, an artist named Giovanni painted a picture of the uh, mother and son. That was, I don't have a whole picture, but Jesus is down here, and this is Mary. And whoa, what's this little spot here? Blowing it up, you see there's this man looking and covering his eyes from the brightness of this spot. The dog's barking at it, and here's the spot. This is a German-designed UFO that we call a Hannibal One, and it's got sparks coming out of it. Now, where did that come from? Uh, in the Renaissance Center, uh, somebody, a history person, can you tell me, what, that was at the 14th, 15th century, somewhere around there? 15th, thank you. Okay. Now, here's an 11th century. Here's an 11th century. Oops, oops. Don't get ahead here. Uh, here's an 11th century Frisco painted at a, uh, in Yugoslavia, of the crucifixion of Christ. And they're trying to show you a war in heaven that was going on at the same time. Interesting is, here's something here, and here's something here. Here is obviously a side-cut view of a spaceship, and there's a guy in there, and he's got controls. And here's another one here. The same kind of thing. 11th century. You've got to wonder, where was the inspiration for that? Where was that coming from? Now, here's the, the wedding feast in Cana where Jesus turned water to wine. And this is a tapestry made in 14th century France. Look who shows up to the wedding. A little UFO in the background there. Now, I just picked out the ones for, uh, against Christianity. There is, for every major religion, we have artifacts, relics, uh, things like this that kind of suggest that they've been in the background of our old history, creating, making all of the different religions Christianity no different than in all the others. They're putting their chess pieces out for an endgame appearance, a part of the de great deception and delusion. You've, some of you have maybe heard about the pyramids on Mars, now edifices of different buildings and structures, even a crashed spaceship on, on the moon. Has anybody ever heard this before? Or is this really wackadoodle Twilight Zone stuff? Let me tell you, it's all over the internet, guys. There's books written about it, there's documentaries made. I mean, it really can cause a person that thinks a little outside of the box. If you don't have a good solid grounding in the, in the Lord, it makes you wonder, wow, maybe there are aliens. I mean, you know, that is a prevailing thought, as Pastor shared with us in England. Now, we've got some of the more popular shows. I picked out two of them, the most popular ones. I almost am thankful for this show here. They have been showing, um, of course, from the wrong premise and wrong conclusions, but they've been showing recently things that I've been saying for 20 years and everybody laughed at me at. Now, because it's on TV, oh, Wilhelmsen isn't so crazy. I saw about these German UFOs, man, or, you know, it was on a documentary. Well, nobody's laughing anymore. So thanks, guys. Even though you're spewing out all kinds of blasphemous garbage, <clears throat> it just gives me a chance to be able to uh, correct all of that. But these shows are defining for us a different history and a cosmic Christ, which is not true. And we're told in the last days that there would be people that would be blaspheming the Lord. How are they blaspheming it? This is an act of blasphemy. 
we maybe don't realize it as such because it's just a day-to-day, everyday activity anymore. We are, those are supported by movies, by um, this one here, Prometheus. You know, it's a mythological story about death and resurrection. It's about uh, people of Earth exploring space, seeking out the Nephilim of Genesis 6. We'll get into them. Um, They are our creators, and so we're trying to make contact and a link. They get there to the lab. They find out that we were just a misfired uh, uh, experiment, and they were eventually going to come to exterminate us. Uh, That's the premise of that story. Now, this one, Dark Skies, whoops, wrong button, this one is really weird. The whole idea of this is that history is not what we think it is. There's always, there's like clandestine alternate to all of history, and it's centered around the Roswell crash, where supposedly these gray aliens had something inside of them that was like part of a collective consciousness. That collective consciousness is a theme that runs through a lot of different sci-fi things. The Borg of Star Trek, uh, the Gaul of uh, Stargate 9, uh, all these different things. Well, in this one, they're alluding to the fact that certain part of the population has this thing in them that causes them all to believe a certain way. And once they see this ball of light, once they see the light, they can't come back. So death is the only solution for them to be set free from this thing that's inside of them. There's actually other books written now that are defining, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. These Christians are actually part of an alien entity that's in them that makes them think, feel, and believe opposed to this new wonderful world that we're trying to offer in in the new age. Um, It's coming, folks. It really is. This is how crazy it's going to get eventually, where they're going to say that that Christ in you is actually an alien entity. That sounds sick. That's that's the enemy that we're dealing with. He's sick. And this this is where a lot of this is headed towards. Our youth have, you know, Pokemon. Anybody ever? Pokemon? You know, it's talking about transhumanism. And it's getting kids used and comfortable with the idea of, of intermixing genetics and making all these fruity kinds of crazy things. We have the association with these little gray guys as being gods. We have the alien syndrome, which is a, a role-playing game that has to do with uh, mixing genetics and, and creating a new human race, master race. You know, it's all been said and done before, but we're being conditioned for this. When I had my store in Roswell, I had a lot of younger kids come in, and they saw my storyboards around the walls. And they're going, oh, that's like Wolfenstein. Oh, that's like this game and that game. They already knew all of this stuff. But they related it to the video games that they had been playing. It's time that we have to stand in the gap to this. We have to redirect our children and make them realize that there is an answer and a hope. I, I tell you that the Bible is the most amazing book ever. Because my premise is that anything that ever attacks us or comes against our faith, God has already addressed it, chapter, text, and verse. We've got answers for everything. When people are wondering, where does artificial intelligence go? I'll show you. It's in here. It's in the book of Daniel. It's in the book of Revelation. Want to see the end of the rainbow for transhumanism, for cloning, for uh, nanotechnology? It's called the image of the beast. It's coming. It's coming fast. We have a lot of UFO cults. That back in the 40s and 50s when they first came out, I mean, you know, Fruit Loops wearing the tinfoil hats and all kinds of, you know, a saucer on their car going around, the alien brothers are coming, you know, crazy stuff like that. But you know what? They've evolved. They've progressed. This one here, the Ethereum Society, was started originally by uh, a few contactees in the 40s and 50s in Great Britain. Some of them were connected to big monies and... uh, 
the aristocratic elite of Europe. Most of this society now, you will find that some of your board members of the United Nations, some of the uh, European elite, are members of the Ethereum Society. They believe that their god, their creator, is aliens, and they're in full support. Keep in mind, these are the movers and shakers of the whole world. It's the golden rule. Who has the gold makes the rules. And in, God's, in, in Satan's kingdom, that's what works. And that's what's working right now. That's why we're being inundated with all this stuff. You can't even turn on the travel channel on cable anymore, and you're getting some kind of thing about aliens or ghosts. I don't get it. Well, I do. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's another group. Now, this guy, Claude Balhorn, he was originally a race car driver and a um, sportscaster in France. He had an encounter with aliens, and interesting enough, this symbol here was on the spaceship that he had an encounter with. That's the Star of David with a swastika in the middle of it. And you think, whoa, how could those two be put together? Well, read my book and I'll show you how. It, it can be integrated together, and it's the weirdest thing in the world. This group, he made millions out of his books, several of them that he wrote. Those millions he invested, he now owns a, a complex in the Bahamas called Clonade. And they're cloning the rich elite and anyone else who has the money. He was told by these so-called aliens to help the world prepare for a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world uh, uh, monetary system. So he's working at it, and he's got millions of dollars behind him to promote it. He is actually evangelizing the college campuses all across the world. He took as his example the Crusade for Christ method and sets up little outposts on every major campus in the world. All over the world, the Raelians. You ask any of the younger people, oh yeah, I've seen them guys, they're kind of crazy. What they offer as a tidbit is that it's important to procreate. So it's sex outside of marriage. So young, a lot of young... Uh, testosterone-filled people are just flocking to this group. It's like sex, whatever, however you want it, with no accountability, and the aliens uh, promote it, and they're here to help you out, help us all out. No, they're not. Scientology. Now, you've all heard of Scientology. You know how it's permeated through Hollywood and uh, how it's influenced even right up into the White House. Did you know that Scientology was founded on alien contact? L. Ron Hubbard, in 1946, came into a contact with the Space Brothers, what we call Nordic-type aliens. We'll get into that in a second. These uh, people told him ideas, and he wrote science fiction books. And this is where he made his millions. And then he wrote the book Dianetics, and then started the whole cult of Scientology. And to this day, they still believe that, that uh, their god, or their concept of god, is the the philosophy that came from aliens, and now they're here to spread it out to everyone. So he's, Satan is working in a lot of different vehicles, preparing the world to accept this. So it doesn't surprise me that 60% of the people believe in aliens and only 30-some percent believe in God. We have been asleep while Satan has been canvassing the whole world, getting them prepared for this kind of craziness. Now, that is the United Nations ambassador for extraterrestrial contact. The United Nations has already set up an ambassador so that when we have, not if, when we have extraterrestrial contact, she is the person that's going to be the voice, mouthpiece, of planet Earth. The United Nations, that's 
I don't know, I think everybody here is in agreement. The United Nations really does not speak for any of us, especially not for America. The Pope, I, this is photoshopped, it's not a real picture, so, you know, I didn't get proof on, on, on the Pope. Um, but what they have been saying lately, did you know that the, the, the Vatican even had its own astronomy section with a huge telescope that they call, it's an acronym, but they call it Lucifer. Huh? Why? Now, uh, Funes, uh, Father Funes, or whatever, you know, whatever his name is, his last name is Funes, um, he announced that, that we should be willing to accept the fact that there are aliens that are going to eventually make contact and we should greet them as part of God's creation. <clears throat> yeah, right. One of, one of the high up hierarchy there also said that he would be willing to baptize an alien no matter how many tentacles he might have. This is naivety to the worst. It's just insane. They're preparing the largest body that calls themselves Christians to accept this. And they're accepting it, hook, line, and sinker. They're promoting it. They're getting ready. This new guy, a Jesuit priest, there's a whole big story on that, and we won't really get into it, but basically the theology that he follows is called liberation theology. It's a mixture of communism and Christianity. It's totally insane. It's crazy. Our whole world's gone crazy. Nassau. Does everybody here know where Nassau got started from? Ex-Nazi scientists. Yes. Did you know that every launch that's ever been launched by Nassau has been on a high Sabbath occult day? That every uh, project they've had, every vehicle they've had, is the name of some ancient god or demonic entity? This thing is filled. This was the Trojan horse for America. At the end of World War II, when we overran the compounds, we found out they were working on stuff way outside of the box. They were working on circular disk aircraft, anti-gravity electromagnetic forms of energy, working with LSD for mind control. They were working on cloning. They were, I mean, Joseph Mengele was way ahead of anybody on the idea of cloning. They were way ahead on a lot of things working way outside of the box. Why, what caused them to be outside of the box? They believed that the occult... Uh, through all of the ancient relics and ruins and everything, had encrypted within it a science and a technology. And so they poured over all of this, and they created some pretty interesting things. So much so that when they came to America, when we got a lot of these scientists, they could produce actual results. So just like as Jesus came and he could perform signs and miracles that supported the message, these guys come into our country and they performed miracles of technology, so all of a sudden our scientists, our own people, start getting into, well, tell me about this occult stuff. And they started delving into it. We used to call it alchemy back in the Middle Ages. Now we call it science and technology. One and the same. There's, there's a whole bunch, bunch of stuff that we could get into, but we can't do it tonight. So who are the aliens? That would be interesting to know. I, I said this one time to a guy, it says, you know, it's not so much, this was a SETI guy. You know, they got the satellites and they're waiting and hoping that they're going to hear, you know, phone home or something like that, and so far they never heard anything. They say, you know, it's not so much of who's out there, who's already here, abducting people, conducting medical experiments. You know, I've provided counseling for victims of alien abduction. I know some people go, oh, that's really cool, and some people go, whoa, get away from him, man. I don't want anything jumping off on me. Now, how much drugs did you do in the 60s, Jim? You know, I, I got all that kind of stuff, but I tell you what, I've worked with hundreds of people, and I've seen them set free in the name of Jesus Christ. And I've seen these people go through torment that you couldn't even imagine because nobody believes 
that anything like that even exists or is real. I'm here to tell you it is. But only in the name of Jesus can they be set free. So, who are the aliens? We have different types of aliens. These are the ones considered bad. I think it's, it's amazing how they parallel everything in the Bible. When we think of the demonic and everything, we think of ugly, creepy, little reptilian, gargoyle-type guys or, or whatever. Well, look at some of these so-called aliens. Here's the greys that are somewhat reptil reptilian, but some kind of like dolphin-like. Then we have the reptilians, which look like a weirdo, progressive uh, dinosaur. Then we have the mantis types. Now, you think, that's really crazy. I'll tell you, I had a pastor's wife. They were both involved in deliverance. And she had these guys come into her bedroom at night. Now, she stood on the authority in the name of Jesus Christ and rebuked them, and they went away. But they were there. This isn't some kind of crazy woman. This is a minister, anointed, filled with the Spirit, ordained of God minister, that had this happen. So then she started beating herself up with guilt. Oh, I left the door open. Oh, my gosh, what's the door? What's the door? And, just, and I had a chance to go down and see her. She was in Texas. And I told her, I said, Hunt, you're acting like a rape victim trying to make sense out of what you did wrong. You were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you were an opportunity at Target, and you were attacked, but you put an end to it. All of a sudden, she started porn crying. And she says, that's it. I said, what? And she said, I was date raped, and I never told my husband. I said, your husband, Ray, he is an awesome man of God. He doesn't care. I said, you know what, let's put an end to this. Let's close this door. Go to him right now and tell him. It's not going to mean nothing to him. And then he did, and then we agreed that we needed to have a, a deliverance. We went into a separate room. We prayed. We commanded this thing out, and she's been set free and has never had any kind of an invasion ever again. And that's the power of Jesus. So these mantis things are real. <laughs> they look weird, but they're real. A human hybrid. Many of them seem human hybrids. They're either part insectoid human or reptilian human or gray alien human, but uh, there's some kind of crazy mixing going on here. Now, these are considered the good aliens. Oh, and this is so... I mean, being, being a history nut, I'm, I'm reading right through this right away. They're called the Nordics. Why are they called Nordics? They're tall, blonde hair, red-haired, blue-eyed, Caucasian, uh, Hitler's dream. And guess what? In the 40s and 50s, they talked with a German accent. They acted like German soldiers. And gee whiz, they were flying, whoops, they were flying in this. That's a Hanabu, made by a, a professor, Hanabu, and several other German scientists in World War II. We have the captured documents. And this is what people were seeing in the 40s. And they were warning about the coming atomic wars. They were warning and giving us a hope, but that hope that they were giving was theosophy. It was just the same New Age movement, only based on a bloodline and national identity that now is offered to whosoever will if you believe that man can become God. So it's the same. Theosophy has an Old Testament and a New Testament version. And these guys had a lot to do with it because they come in contact with these fallen angels. So here's our hope for the future, the Nordic the good guy alien from the Pleiades. Oh, the bad guys are from Orion. Now, I think it's interesting that in a dialogue between Job and God, God says something rhetorical, and he refers to the constellation Orion and the constellation of the Pleiades. It, they're always trying to parallel the things in the Bible. Always trying to do that. 
So the bottom line is there are no aliens, and I can prove it by the word of God. Wouldn't you like to know, to share to people, to be able to prove that there are no aliens? I know I'm happy when I found this out. I prayed to the Lord, show me. How can I prove it? You know, I sit there kind of stupid, like when I can, you know, when they say, well, you look up in the Milky Way at late at night, and you see all these stars, and you're going to tell me that you're so vain as to think we're the only ones here? Um, yeah. Because my Bible tells me so. We are that special, guys. We are that special. I'm going to end on how special we are by giving you a revelation of the cross that God gave to me. So we've got to move on here. Angels study the whole salvation process. And in context here, we're being told in 1 Peter 1.12, this whole redemptive process. It says, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. In the Greek, looked into, it means to take an intensive study, to look at every little detail of what's going on. The implication here, why are they doing that? Because it's never happened before anywhere. This is something different. This is something new. That's why... You know, I worked many years in automotive prototype, and so I'm used to doing things that have never done, been done before. There's got to be a first and a beginning somewhere. And guess what? We're it. We are the first of our kind. Why? Because Jesus was the first of his kind, of God in the flesh, dying and resurrecting. God, the grave couldn't hold him because he lived according to his dimension, not the one we're stuck in. And so he wasn't subject to the laws and rules of this dimension. And he rose again. He became, the Bible says, the firstborn of the dead and the firstborn of many brethren. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Who is, in the who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence? Some people have said, you know, oh my gosh, the Sumerians had this whole death, resurrection, born of a virgin thing long before, you know, it was ever recorded in the Bible. I'm sorry, there's another scripture that says, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. He plagiarized. Remember I said they're planting things all throughout history for an end-time deception? They planted that. Doesn't mean nothing. We're thinking linear time. We got an enemy that's outside of time. He can put anything he wants where he wants. Wait until Hawass finally dies in Egypt. There's something in between the paws of the Sphinx. It's a room. I think it's a pre-flood room with a library that's going to redefine everything before the flood. Not going to surprise me. When that happens, come and see me. I'll tell you what really is going on with, with all the lies that they have planted. They planted it there. Angels and demons are apples and oranges. Did you know that there is a difference between angels and demons? Most Christians don't. They think, oh, they're all just bad guys. They're all invisible spirits that mess with our heads. One thing that's important, and I hope I can get across for you, just a seed to be planted. Pray about it. Seek the Lord about it. We have always been told or assumed that angels were non-corporal beings. They're physical. They're just as physical as you and I. And when they stand to pretend to be aliens, you need to know this so that you don't get deceived. And I'll prove it by the word of God. And this is what I'm going to do. Now, first off, we're told in Hebrews... It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Okay, we, accept, we, we hear that, we accept it. Okay, 
See, they're spirits. End of story. Uh, but it's not, and we'll get to that. Just as we have another scripture, this is Matthew twenty-two thirty. For in the resurrection, though they're talking about people, after we die, we go to heaven. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. I don't know how many times I've had people say, see, see, you're, you're a false teacher, you're a liar. No. It's saying that that is not the order of things. Not that they can't, because you know what? They did. Now, if angels, and we're going to get to that scripture next after this one, if angels are just spirits, then we have a real problem with a whole lot of other scriptures that are telling us otherwise. Look at in Genesis 19th chapter. We're told that angels sat and ate with Lot and his family. They were seen and desired by the crowd and wanted to have sex with them. That's pretty physical. Now, Job wrestled with uh, an angel in Genesis 32:24. I think it was a precarnate Christ. I think most of us see that. Um, and we're told that we could be entertaining angels unaware. Why? Because they look and act and, and are just like human beings, and we wouldn't know the difference. It says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, the assumption, the logic between this, when we catch this, we go, oh, well, they're shapeshifters. You know, and so when they're in heaven, they're, they're in their natural state as a spirit, but then they come down to earth and they shapeshift into a, you know, some kind of a temporal body so that we can relate and they can relate to us. That's a logical deduction. But I don't know about you guys, but I, I thank God for my fundamental roots that told me chapter, text, and verse. You're going to have something supernatural. Somebody's going to say something of a doctrine. Where is it in God's word? Give me chapter, text, and verse. Where is it? Sorry, guys, you ain't going to find it. They're not shapeshifters. They just, I mean, unless you can find me a scripture that says so. I haven't found it yet. I've been studying it for 40 years. But I'm open. You show me a scripture that says that they're shapeshifters and I'll re retake my, think my position. But basically, they're not. And here's the scriptures I can prove this to. When Daniel was fasting and praying, and he was seeking an answer, an angel finally came to him and said, man, I would have been here a lot sooner, but the prince of Persia uh, detained me. Well, okay, guys, if they're not physical, how, did he detain, how was he detained? And then you can say, well, see, that's, that was still on earth. So, you know, they became temporal beings and then they had this uh, sword fight or battle or whatever. Well, then explain to me this one. Revelations 12, 7 says that there is a war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought the devil and his angels. And the devil prevailed not and was cast into the earth. And his angels also with him. Now look this up in, in Revelation 12. Cast into the earth has a very specific Greek meaning. It has no variations. And it means on dry land amongst men. That's physical. And there's no getting out from under that one. But here's the one I love the most. <laughs> Ancient aliens. Oh, they're talking about, you know, the children of Israel were fed manna all through the 40 years that they were wandering. And then ancient aliens goes on to talk about the aliens had a mana machine. And they're, and they're on and on and on. Mana machine? What? Do you have any archaeological ruins of a mana machine? Do you have legends and myths of a... No, you pulled this one out of thin air and people are going, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, well. No, it doesn't. That's insane. It's fruit loopy. God, I'm glad that we got the word of God that can put balance into everything. Show me chapter, text, and verse of a mana machine. There is none. But there is something weird about manna. 
They were fed manna. And it doesn't say anything in the actual story in Exodus about, you know, where it came from or anything else, just that they were fed manna and it came down from heaven. But in Psalms, David is reaccounting this situation. And then we get a clue of something that's really strange. It says, And it rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them the corn of heaven. Think about the term corn of heaven. Corn, for us on this earth, is like wheat. It's, it provides an abundant amount of different variations of food. But there's a clincher right here, and you can't get out of this one. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. Say what? Angel food? Oh my gosh, that means there's outhouses up in heaven. There has to be. Why? Because it's physical. Guys, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm kind of making light of something, but you wouldn't believe how important this is to understand. Angels are physical beings. That's why Paul said there are bodies terrestrial and bodies celestial. We're dealing with physical, tangible things. UFOs can be an apparition put into a mind from a demonic force, but some of them are man-made. Originally in Germany, now in America. They're man-made. You can, <clears throat> when in doubt, rebuke them first. Some of them will go away as soon as you rebuke them. The others, not much so. They might even land and grab you, and you don't want that to happen. Um, that's a pretty scary thing. Fortunately, though, if you use the name of Jesus and stand on authority, they're not going to grab you. they got to go. That's what I love about it. You know, there's so many cases, time and time again, of people that have, and people that I've worked with that rebuke them in the name of Jesus, and they go because they're subject to that name and they're subject to the authority that you have as a child of God. Man, that's why, that's why you know, the apostles were so amazed when they had power and authority over the demons as Jesus did. And we're going to get into that scripture because that gives us a hint on some of these characters. So anyways, the problem there with his language use. Remember we had those scriptures that, that called the angels spirits? Think about this. I'll put it in computer geek language. Our main operating system in this world is our soul. It need, we need our spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to redeem the soul into the likeness of the mind of Christ. So on earth, we're called souls. But you've got a body that carries that soul around. You've got a spirit that's going to help redeem that soul, right? Three parts. God is the Father, which is the soul, the Son, which is the body, and the spirit, which is his spirit. We're made in his likeness, three parts. So in that, what I'm saying is, on earth, in 1 Peter 3.20, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls. Don't we even call each other souls many times? Oh, that poor soul. Because on earth, the soul is our default system, our main operating system. In heaven, it's the spirit. So they're called spirits, but it doesn't mean that they are just a spirit. No more than calling us a soul means that we're just a soul. We have other dimensions to our existence. That is how you solve that scripture that looks like it conflicts with the physicality of angels. Does that make sense to you all? Good. Because you're going to need this sometime in your lifetime. We're going to see a deception that I... I, I can't get in too much into it right now, but believe me, the world is going to be shocked. We don't have to be. We can be a people prepared if we're going to stand on what the Word of God has to offer us. We just have to think a little outside of the box so that we can be able to be ready to handle it. So 
Getting back to marriage, Matthew 22, 30. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But then Genesis 6, 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. That was the Gabor and the Nephilim were the giants. These were the offspring of human beings with angelic beings. Now, there's... Around in the 4th century, Gnosticism was becoming popular because the church was, you know, society was getting a little more sophisticated. The church was embarrassed about the supernatural, so they tried to explain away the supernatural. One of the things that they came up with is, oh, the sons of God were the descendants of Seth, and the daughters of men were the Canaanite women. So you had believers marrying unbelievers. Their faith became diluted. Um, They became really, really bad and evil. And so God got ticked off and wiped out everything. Really. So God destroyed the whole world because they had a sin nature and was inclined to do what they were going to do anyway. Now, that doesn't make any sense. That shows me some kind of wrathful, hate-filled God, and that's not my God. What happened was a corruption of a human genetic line because the first prophecy in the Bible was from the seed of the woman would come one who would crush the head of the serpent. So Satan's plan was corrupt the whole human race genetically, and you can't come. I cut you off the pass. It didn't work. Eight people remained clean and survived. There's a thing in, in Revelation, I mean in Revelation, in, in Genesis also where it says that the, for all animals, every living thing was corrupt in its way. You look at the Hebrew and corrupt in its way and it means its genetic pathway. Its lifeline had been altered. What are we doing right now with transhumanism? We're making, we're making spider goats, we're making green glowing pigs, we're doing all kinds of freaky weird stuff. You think that's crossing the line? Just as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The activities that took place then are reappearing now, right before our eyes, and we're not seeing the major fulfillments. Because we're not going back to the original languages on some of these prophetic texts to see from a 21st century perspective what's really going on here. It's got an evil end to it, guys. It's, it's not a good thing. Now, the people that say that these are regular earthborn people, or they're saying that that uh, one side is the descendants of Seth, the other side is the descendants of Cain. When it says the daughters of men, daughters of men is in the most generic use just meaning mankind in general. The Bible says what it means and means what it says, so it can't possibly mean that. And here's the other biggest problem. Benai ha Elohim, for sons of God, is only in three places in the Bible. Let's see the other two places. We have a real big problem with this one. In Job 1.6, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Huh. Sons of Seth, I guess they had space travel back then, and they were in heaven. This is a seed in heaven, and Satan is in the midst of the throne, and the sons of God are there, in heaven. These are angelic beings. They're not the descendants of Seth. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, when? At the beginning of creation. See, they're outside of time. They can see all this stuff. Sons of God are not the sons of Seth. They are benai ha Elohim. They're angelic beings living in heaven. Now we've got another scripture that tells us somewhat how that happened. In Jude 6, it says, And the angels who had kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. We're going to get into that latter part of the judgment when we talk about demons because that's 
and, and we'll do that next week because that's a whole big can of worms in itself. But right now, I want you to understand that the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. A lot's being said here. Now, the first estate is the same word used for principalities in Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness and dark places. These are levels of demonic rulership. Well, actually, angelic rulership, good or bad, but it's still a level or a, a part of a given governmental body of rulership. So what we're being told here is that the angels left their original rulership position. Now, the other word for habitation in 2 Corinthians 5.4 is for house or home. And in context, it's talking about the tabernacle or our bodies as being a house. So it's confirming the idea that the habitation they're leaving is their body. They're changing it so they can cohabit with the human beings to produce this hybrid offspring that is a mockery to God's creation. So that kind of wraps that one up in a nice nutshell. Now, not all angels are human beings. They don't all look like us. Here's an, an example of godly angels called beasts. They're not human. And they have, four, they have six wings. They have, their eye, they're full of eyes. Could have an allegorical meaning of great intelligence. Um, that's debatable, and it really isn't an issue right now for our purposes. We are seeing something that's non-human. It's worshiping God, so it's definitely on God's side as part of his kingdom and part of his creation. But it's not human. Remember the three, the different types of aliens I told you? We have, within the word of God, enough evidence, at least for me, satisfied, that these crazy-looking creatures are not without being addressed in the Bible. Here's some of them. A seraphim is an order of an angel. Its example is in Isaiah 6-2. We're not really told too much about seraphims. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I hope this doesn't scare you, but most scholars realize that the, the root word, seraph, we don't even know really what it means. It's kind of an unknown origin. So what you do with a word like that is you take the etymology of that word. How is it used in other places? Now, it's not because I'm you know, some genius that I could find this out. I know how to use reference material. Vine's Notes on Strong's Number is a fantastic book. If you ever, you know, you can buy it at a Christian bookstore. It's not that much. I got it on a computer program. Vine's does a complete expository on words, the, how it's used in other languages and everything. And I looked up that, and I found out that in Sanskrit, it means reptile. So we could have a chapter, a text and verse reference for the reptilian type of, an, of angels. This is good or bad. Here's the one I really like. This is kind of a neat one. In Luke 10:19, I looked up in, in a lot of the commentaries, and they're saying, well, this is just people that act like snakes or act like scorpions. No. Look at it in context. The disciples are rejoicing because they just casted demons out of people just the way they saw Jesus do. And they're all, you know, wow, this is great and everything. And, and Jesus said, I've given you power over all the enemy, but rejoice that your name is in the book of life. So he's trying to put perspective and balance to you know, what they just experienced. But the, the fact is, he's talking about entities of the spirit realm. And he's saying that some of them are serpents, nakash in the Hebrew, and some are scorpions, scorpios. Scorpios, when you look at the word, it, means, it can mean an anachronist, like a scorpion, but it also means to peer as a sentry or a spy. 
This is like somebody watching, like a watcher. Now in the book of Enoch, it describes that these sons of God were also called watchers. So we're coming back full circle. And it might be telling us or showing us who these mantis-type crazy creatures are. Now the serpent, I've got some free booklets because we've got no time to get into it here. The serpent, the Nakash, in five different descriptions about the serpent in the Bible, lines up to the little gray alien, almost to a T. I mean, it's just, there's, it's no coincidence how they line up. So when I see the Garden of Eden, I don't see a talking Mr. Ed serpent like that. I see this guy, and that's who God was speaking through. Just as, I mean, God speaks through us, Satan speaks through his uh, willing servants, and he was speaking through one of those. And I believe that because I think that's what the Bible tells us. And I've got booklets. Um, maybe if you're with a couple, take one so that both of you can read it because there's more people here tonight than I thought there might be. So um, I can get booklets for you. If you go to this church, just come up to me sometime. I'm in the morning service, and I'll be more than happy to give you one. It's a chapter out of my book. It's about the Nakash. I show you all the scripture that shows that that little guy there is what was talking in the Garden of Eden. Now, we need to know about demons, though. I've already described now what aliens are. Demons, we're going to just briefly get into it, and then I'm going to end with a uh, question and answer, if we have any time left for that. Um, but you need to know where demons came from. And so we're going to do that right now. Remember I said the special judgment that was put upon the parents, which were the sons of God, and the Book of Enoch says about 200 of them is actually what did this, and their offspring, which were probably millions and their offspring, these half-human, half-demonic um, entities, were never in God's blueprint to begin with. They were unredeemable. The Bible records they were bullies, they were tyrants. We have memories of all of them. Zeus, Osiris, Isis, all of these characters, they were real people. They were the Nephilim. They were the ones that were the offspring. They were bullies and tyrants and toyed with man. There's even... There, they even ate us. They were cannibalistic. They were some really sick puppies. Um, so they were given a special judgment. We can see this. When, when we read on the surface, we think that they were put in everlasting chains of darkness until the day of judgment. Now, wouldn't you agree that that seems like they're shackled up to a bottomless pit waiting for the white throne judgment? It's what I always thought all my life. And the Lord kind of tapped me on the shoulder in 1969 and says, Jim, take a deeper look at this. You really need to see this for what it is. So I went back to the original language. Whoa. I got a whole different picture. And it makes so much sense. And I'll show you. They ca this is how Peter records it. They cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Jude says he reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the day of judgment. Now. Delivered, perodatomy, means to deliver to another to keep or use, not from escaping, but to use for a further purpose in time. That's important. He reserved means to withhold for a personal end, in a sense to fulfill prophecy. They're being held not to escape, but they're going to be used to fulfill prophecy. Now, darkness, everlasting chains of darkness. The darkness here between uh, Strong's and Young's concordance gives us a picture that this is a dark shroud, a wraparound enclosure. I think Young said a scud, um, Strong said a ghost or a cloud. And it, so the idea is 
that this darkness that they're put into is a wraparound. They're a disembodied spirit. They're a ghost. There's a name for it in the Hebrew, Raphah. And boy, there's a lot of scriptures talking about the Raphah, and they're not talking about Casper. Um, Jude uses the idea of chains as a word called Desmond. Desmond is uh, an impediment. When the man that was deaf, when the demon was cast out, it was a Desmond, an impediment that he had that prevented him from being able to speak. So this shroud ghost is in an inferior form. That's what the word hupo for under means. And chains is, it is a, a, an impediment, something lesser than what they were. Now, Peter's use of chains is, is a different word. It's sierra. And you can't just look at that word. If, if Strong's is telling you, well, it's the root of this and it's like a variation of this, then you kind of have to add all of them together to get a flavor of what that actual word is, is actually telling you. When you do this, we see that there's another meaning for chains. It's not just a shackle. That is the broadest, most used meaning, but it has another meaning. And what I'd like to know is, okay, is it me or what, guys? I mean, if it's a disembodied spirit, how do you shackle it? You know, I can't figure that one out. It makes me say, okay, Jim, you've got to dig deeper. You've got to go further. So chains gives us the answer right there. Suro, a derivative of arrow, literally means a chain as in a cycle of being dragged up or cast down. Now, isn't that the activity of demons? Through the occult practices, play around with a Ouija board and see what happens. A few days, all of a sudden, lights are going to go on and go off. TVs are going to go on and go off. Things are going to disappear and reappear. You all, most of you have been there because most of you have been engaged in, in spiritual warfare. This is a church. This is why you're ready for this stuff because you've already, you're already veterans in so many different ways to all this supernatural, paranormal stuff. That's what happens. This is the cycle that they're locked into. There's other scriptures, I can't get into it tonight, but they're trapped in an electromagnetic grid that holds them. It had to do with an axis shift. In Isaiah it says the world was acting like a drunkard, wobbling to and fro. And then in the next verse it says that he took those that were on high, the sons of God, and he took the kings of the earth, that's all these mythological gods and goddesses, and put them into a pit until they're visited. The word Picard visited has two meanings. It means to intervene supernaturally in the natural course of events, and it means to draw up as an army. What comes up in Joel's second chapter and Revelation's ninth chapter? An end-time army that marches into Armageddon. I got good news for the Chinese. It's not them. It's, they love my video. They love my video, the locust invasion. I, I've heard that it's gone ballistic over in China because I'm telling them, guys, relax. You're not the ones that are invading. Joel says that this is a day of practice magic, the lowering of high things, gathering of people that have never been before and never will be again. We're talking, about, we're talking about cybernetic, weirdo, transhuman, cloned monsters from hell. These are shells that these disembodied spirits are going to come back into. But there's some that are already here looking just like me and you. They could be here right here tonight. We wouldn't know the difference. Now, I waited two years to write my book and have it published because I wanted to make sure that nobody read my book, misunderstood, went into McDonald's, whacked 20 people and said, they were Nephilim, I read it in this book. I didn't want to be responsible. That's a heavy responsibility when I'm telling you crazy things like this. It can cause a lot of people to get very imbalanced and very fearful and acting in crazy ways. 
This is what we're going to talk about next week. I don't want to scare anybody because you know what? I peaked at the end. We win. If you have trust and faith in Christ, we win. We don't have to be afraid of this stuff. God knows that where they are. He warned us. If, for your own entertainment, for your own enrichment, read the, it's the short, one of the shortest books in the Bible. Read Jude. That's, Jude has only one chapter, so I mean it's really short. Jude is telling you about these things that are in our midst right now. This is what we're dealing with. We're dealing in evil times. So evil that we have the enemy walking in our midst amongst us. I turn on the History Channel and watch anything about the Bible, and I see all kinds of those people. They're called professors. They're called theologians. And they're blaspheming everything that you and I love dearly about the Lord. That's where they... The, the biggest thing you're going to attack is the Word of God because that's what's going to expose you for who you really are. So they're corrupting it. Now, on an, I, I want to kind of shift gears because if there's anybody here that really, you know, you know, okay, I'm saying that we're so special, we're the only thing in the universe. We are that special. I'm going to tell you right now how special you are. And some of you that are Christians, maybe you need to have this experience. This was a strength all my life as a Christian. And I'll tell you what it is, the revelation of the cross. We say that Jesus died for our sins. And he took away our sins. He could do what we couldn't do. But what does that really mean? Do you know that the result of sin has defined all of us as people? Think of it. Each one of us has some kind of a horrible loss, maybe a horrible anger. If you're a veteran, maybe you saw your buddy get killed, you went on a nut and killed, took out five or six enemy soldiers, and you're having a hard time with guilt with that. Or maybe a loss, you know, a wife, a child, a mother, father. Uh, maybe a fear. Maybe you've been abducted. Maybe you had an experience like that and you've never been able to tell anyone. Each one of us has had defining moments in our life that was so traumatic it was hard for us to deal with. We had to shut down. Right? Can I hear an amen? All of you experienced that? Now imagine. Imagine your entire lifetime from the time you were born to you died. Every negative thing as a result of sin came into your body at one time. You couldn't handle it, could you? Now, I choke up every time I talk about this, but it was such a reality, and I hope it is for you too. Imagine everybody that was ever born, everybody that ever will be born or has been born, at that very moment when Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He emptied himself is what the Bible said. What did he empty himself of? The Father and the Spirit had to go. He had to be an empty shell so that all the pain, the hurt, the anger, the disappointments, at that very moment, that came rushing into him. And his heart burst, and he said, it's finished. That's how special we are. So that now, not only do we get eternal life because of what he did, we get healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. These things don't have to define us. They've been put on a cross, and now we can be set free. And for those of you that Maybe you've never, maybe you're not a Christian, you're deciding, maybe you came to hear this weirdo stuff. The most important thing that you need to know is that there's healing for you. You give, have been given the power to overcome if you accept and invite Christ into your heart. And it's just one prayer away. It costs you nothing, and it costs you everything. It's an unconditional surrender. I did it in, in July 40 years ago. I said, God, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you want. And he answered me on an if. 
and he'll do the same for you. And all you got to do is seek someone out from this church here, seek out the pastor. That's available for you, just one prayer away. And if you've gone a led astray, you've been seduced by all the science and technology and alternate hopes, and you thought all these stories in the Bible were fairy tales, they are very real. There is a real account of what happened in the Garden of Eden that actually rips the space-time continuum. I can prove it, I can show it to you. It's there in the original languages. It's not just a little kid story you talk about in Sunday school. There's a real science, there's a real mechanics that goes on with all of this stuff. Well, anyways, I'm done. I think I did a little bit longer than 30 minutes, but at least I didn't download